The Immunotherapy of Cancer Conference 2022 took place on the 22nd to the 24th of September in Munich, Germany. Today, we'll be going through some of the highlights from our interviews with the experts from the meeting, bringing you the latest news in immuno-oncology. First, we hear from Masha Binder from the Martin Luther Universität Halle-Wittenberg, discussing whether it is beneficial to combine immunotherapy with chemotherapy. Yeah, we were having a very lively discussion um, at the ITOC meeting about uh, if it is valuable or not to um, add uh, chemotherapy on top of immunotherapy, or if it's better to uh, just, uh, you know, com combine um, more or different principle of IO uh, therapy in patients with uh, cancer. And this was um, an interesting discussion um, since, uh, I mean, the, the pros of, of combining these modalities are clearly uh, th that you um, uh, are able to quickly uh, eradicate tumor cells that produce um, potentially immunosuppressive agents and that you can also eradicate um, immunosuppressive uh, immune cell subsets as well. On the other hand, of course, uh, the argument is that um, uh, if you, you know, uh, kill the immune effector cells, the T cells with the chemo component uh, that you apply at the same time as you apply the IO, uh, then you might um, get, uh, get a problem with the effect that these cells uh, have to um, induce in the patient. And um, well, I, in my talk, I was actually focusing on pro probably uh, very, very strong clinical endpoints in the clinical trials, um, rather than discussing the biological rationale, because, uh, you know, uh, there, there might be very um, or many arguments pro and con, but in, in fact, uh, you only see um, uh, the, the most valuable approach if you apply it in patients and do the readout um, of overall survival, progression, progression pre-survival or disease-free time. And uh, I think there are lots. Uh, there are lots of uh, arguments that um, um, that support the use of both modalities. Uh, and I think the common ground that we found also with uh, the other discussant uh, was that it might be um, most beneficial if you apply these two um, um, modalities uh, in a sequential type of approach, so that you kind of don't risk to lose the effect. Uh, since you apply the IO component after chemotherapy. And there are a lot of trials uh, that actually show uh, that, that this is working uh, from urothelial cancer to uh, esophagogastric cancer um, uh, and other uh, good examples. So uh, I think this is something that we kind of concluded from the session. There was a lot of discussion around the, the question, um, how could we eventually also um, get over this philosophy of dosing chemotherapy because uh, you know, the, the, the basic philosophy behind the current schedule is that of maximum uh, tolerated dose scheduling. And this might not be the optimal way to dose these drugs when they are combined with IO uh, due to the uh, before mentioned arguments. So um, on the other hand, this, this also opens up um, uh, a discussion that we have to um, that, that that yeah we have to kind of 
um, be ready to to do in our academic centers. Uh, how do we actually do those uh, clinical trials in the future? Uh, because um, if we are uh, working on the question what chemotherapeutics can be combined at what dosage, dosages at what regimens, then we are getting into a, a whole new area of, um, of trials that uh, are far beyond the things that we currently do um, because they have to include so many uh, sub-cohorts and it, it will very likely be, be difficult to really uh, address all these issues in the different cancer entities. Next up, we hear from Chong Xian from Harvard Medical School on the synergistic anti-tumor activity of PAN-PI3K inhibition and immune checkpoint blockade in bladder cancer. PRK3 pathway is frequently altered in bladder cancer, but so far there's no medication for it yet. And we found that a PRK3 pathway is a molecular driver for bladder cancer. So that's why we are going to initiate a phase two clinical trial for the treatment of bladder cancer with a PRK3 pathway changes. Number two, and immunotherapy has been approved for the treatment of bladder cancer, but the response rate is only about 10 to 25%. And PRK3 inhibitors can not only inhibit cancer growth, but can also regulate immune response. So in our preclinical studies, we found that a PRK3 inhibitor can potentiate immunotherapy in treating bladder cancer with, with different cancer models. And we in number three, we also found that the PRK3 pathway can induce T cell infiltration and downregulate TGF-beta, which is a main negative regulator of immune response, and can also promote pro-immune marker environment. And so next will be a phase and will be a phase two clinical trial. In fact, we have already secured a funding like 2.5 million to do a phase two clinical trial in bladder cancer. First, we hear from Professor Sebastian Kobold from Ludwig Maximilians University of Munich on the recently engineered car targeting the P329 gene mutation in solid tumors. Just to the previous question, I just uh, highlighted the, the, the three essential key limitations that we see in solid tumors, which is the, the um, access of T cells to tumor tissue, the heterogeneity of cancer, especially with regards to antigenic expression and to antigenic antigenic access, and of course, also immune suppression. And so the recently described platform um, from, uh, from my team, uh, the so-called PG-LALACA platform, is a modular platform, a modular cellular platform, which in essence, the concept is that we've built a car that targets a unique mutation. It's the PG-LALA mutation, which stands for the amino acid exchange that, that happens at, um, uh, at the FC terminus of a monoclonal antibody. And why we've become interested in that is because several companies, uh, pharmaceutical companies, are engineering these days their monoclonal antibodies for optimized or reduced FC receptor engagement. And so this PGLA mutation, what in essence does, it does it prevents the activation or the engagement by uh, FC, activating FC receptors. So this has you know, safety reasons in the end. Um, but in essence, what happens is there are really some antibodies that are 
on the investigation that are also under uh, on the clinical use, but also on the preclinical development. So meaning that there is a whole uh, library of uh, already developed monoclonal antibodies that bear this PGLR mutation and would just target any desirable antigen. And so we felt that this could be a massive advantage in the development of cars if you just have to develop one type of car, so this PGLR car, which would target only this unique mutation not found in patients and not found in humans, um, with monoclonal antibodies that are really clinical grade, so where they've eventually already undergone some clinical testing. And, and with the perspective that perhaps this would reduce development time and development costs, because you just focusing for all of your approaches just on the car, and, and the module is the monoclonal antibody, which is already developed. And we've shown that in, in a number of, of preclinical in vitro and in vivo models, this actually works, that we can target uh, heterogeneous uh, tumors that we can target multiple antigens as we can switch the antigen that could stop giving the, antigen, the, uh, the the antibody and this would then stop the activity of the car. So indicating that this PGLALA car could be really a, a suitable platform. And actually uh, this uh, PGLALA car uh, recently uh, entered uh, clinical trials uh, because uh, this was also a concept developed by our partner uh, Roche and uh, and this, uh, to my knowledge, this has recently entered uh, clinical trials in, in China. Next, Theda Strakowski from Ludwig Maximilians University of Munich discusses armoring anti-HER2 CAR T cells with CCR8 and a dominant negative TGF beta receptor to enable efficacy in solid tumor models. In this project, we aim to to solve actually two of these uh, really. Um, heart uh, challenges such as the, um, the poor migration into tumors and then secondly also um, this profound suppression of CAR T cells in the tumor in its microenvironment. Um, by adding this um, CCR8 we could show in vivo um, that we have a targeted migration towards its ligand first of all um, this uh, CCL1 and by engineering our CAR T cells um, with this uh, extra receptors um, we could show that um, we have homing of our CAR T cells in the tumor-draining lymph nodes, and specifically in the tumor-draining lymph nodes. Uh, and secondly, also, we could show that we have higher infiltration of our CAR T cells that carry this uh, CCR8, this uh, chemokine receptor, in the tumor itself. And uh, the ligand, um, CCL1, was discovered by a former um, PhD and then postdoc here in this group, Uno Cadilla. And what he uh, essentially did, he analyzed um, uh, the, the mRNA and the protein expression of uh, CCL1 in different organs uh, from, from mice. And um, what was really interesting to see is that CCL1 is really, really um, low expressed um, in, in organs, but in a tumor and mi microenvironment, is, it's, it's really high expressed. And this is the, this is the key insight um, that we now uh, aim to also um, to transfer to human and also to more uh, cancer samples, is to really um, look at this tumor microenvironment and see, okay, the, the, the chemokine ligand is only produced by the microenvironment and not by the tissue itself. So it's really the microenvironment that uh, also attracts our CAR T cells. That was the first big, um, big thing that uh, that we discovered, and that was also highly appreciated, I think, in the ITOC. 
in the in the presentation. Uh, and then the other thing, which is actually now um, well recognized, is this dominant negative receptor. Um, uh, we talked we talked about it in in, in iTalk, and we had a, also a nice discussion um, that um, th when the CAR T cells are in the tumor microenvironment, they often get suppressed, and then you have these uh, this this impaired capacity, uh, impaired lytic capacity of these CAR T cells, and by adding this dominant negative receptor, we really can um uh, like diminish this negative effect of tgf beta by um just uh, absorbing it like a sponge onto car t cells but um by adding this this dominant negative receptor we don't have any downstream signaling so we don't have any of this normally negative influence on car t cells we only have um this this molecule now on the cell surface but we can't have we don't see any of the smut two three four uh signaling and this is great because you have now these CAR T cells in the tumor that really can uh, produce these lytic enzymes and, and kill the tumor cells effectively. And that's um, what could be shown also in numerous um, mouse models now um, by, uh, for example, by look, show, looking at the pancreatic model, uh, namely BXPC3, or uh, also breast cancer models and colorectal cancer. We could also um, establish or we could always see uh, a quite by nice effect of these CAR T cells that carry this dominant negative receptor, and I mean the general conclusion of this of this whole project, and also what we what we could see in ITOC was that there was really a great interest uh, in how to transform or transfer this this technology um, from these preclinical studies that we now do in our laboratory and that were uh, initi initiated by by Bruno Cadia um, to now transitioning this um, these these findings and also um, these these uh, incredible results into somewhat of a clinical relevance. And um, also, of course, the aim then is to, to go into clinics because, I mean, that's that's what we finally aim to do to really um, overcome this, this challenges that we face uh, now in CAR T cells and solid tumor therapy. And um, this, I think, was the, the great conclusion that, um, I mean, uh, everybody was then asking questions, how, how, how is this clinically relevant? And, and we could answer and I could say, yes, this is clearly clinically relevant because these CAR T cells might do the job and uh, do better infiltration and then also have a greater effect in the tumor microenvironment. So to speak, um, ameliorate the, the efficacy of CAR T cells in solid tumor therapy. Lastly, we have Florian Marco, also from Ludwig Maximilians Universität München, sharing exciting data on bispecific antibodies enabling synthetic agonistic receptor T cell therapy in melanoma. With this approach, we were really trying to tackle this last hurdle of tumor heterogeneity and the potential uh, antigen loss by using like a modular platform, which is able to target multiple antigens. And this platform that we are using consists of synthetic agonistic receptor transduced T cells and in combination with bispecific antibodies. And like in CAR T cell therapy, this approach is MHC independent. However, we think that it has two major advantages or CAR T cell therapy. And the first one is that is a modular antigen targeting uh, by using different bispecific antibodies. We can also redirect those uh, SAR T cells towards different tumor antigens. And the second one is that we have a reversible activation of the SAR T cells just by not redosing with the bispecific antibodies. We also think that the activation of the SAR T cells should go down. And we chose now two different melanoma antigens 
MCSP and TERP1, and we could demonstrate that these antigens are highly expressed in melanoma. And we were able to show that we can target human and also murine melanoma cell lines and also primary patient samples with this platform. And then we went on to, to show that we this platform is indeed modular and reversible because we could redirect our T cells towards different tumor antigens just by using different bispecific antibodies. And then finally, we were also able to validate this in vitro results in syngenic and um, multiple xenograft mouse experiments. Most probably we'll try to do more preclinical analysis and hopefully at some point we can also try it in the in patient uh, setting. Thank you for listening. If you have found this podcast insightful, please leave a review and don't forget to subscribe on your podcast app. Follow us on Twitter at VJ Oncology to join in the conversation. And check out vjoncology.com for all of our exclusive coverage and data presented at iTalk 2022.